while ago, a long time ago, uh, when I lived in Seattle, the, Seattle has lots of concerts, music, and all that stuff going around. And so one time I was, you know, I, I used to love going to concerts. We used to love it a lot more than I do now. And, and a, a buddy of mine who I worked with, he's like, hey, I, uh, let's go to this concert. I'll get tickets. I'm like, that's great, because first of all, he was cheap. He never bought me anything. So I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to get tickets. That's great. Second of all, I had a time off, so, you know, we're, 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 we're going to the concert. And the whole ride there, you know, we're just talking and everything, you know. And, and finally, we get there, and I'm like, oh, great. Can I have my ticket to, uh, to go into the thing? He goes, oh, I don't have them. I go, what? He goes, oh, I don't, I don't have the actual tickets yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? We just drove two hours. We're here. We, <laughs> I, I'm getting upset. Like, what are you doing, you know? And he goes, he, he, he does this thing where he tries to be condescending with me. He goes, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, Tom, you just need to have faith. It's all going to work out. And I look back at him. I said, I have faith in Jesus. I don't have faith in you right now. You don't even have the tickets. He looks at me and says, don't you know how this game is played? I'm going to go up to Will Call, and I'm going to say, hey, if you have any extra tickets that aren't claimed because statistically uh, a certain percentage go unclaimed, I'm going to ask if they would release them to us. Now, I'm thinking to myself, you know, first of all, I'm thinking to myself, that's brilliant. I mean, why didn't I think of that? You know, that's, that's, you know. But the second thing I'm thinking of is I drove two and a half hours for this guy to hope there might be tickets for us. Now, the beauty, the beauty of it was there was tickets for us, and that's awesome. But, you know, a lot of times we can confuse faith with hope. Another time when I was, had a job where I traveled all the time, and, and, I, and I used to like because we'd travel on big jets. I don't mind big jets. The bigger the plane, the bigger my faith. You know, the smaller the plane, Doubt rises, right? Doubt is the killer of faith. And so one time, I think it was like United or American, we we're supposed to go from Chicago to Milwaukee, and the plane dies, the jet plane dies. But on this particular night, there were only like seven or eight total passengers. So they said, look, we're going to charter this plane. And they pointed to it. It was like a twin-engine Cessna. And by the way, this is the Midwest in like January and February. We're going to charter this plane, and we'll get you guys to Milwaukee. And I looked at her, and I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and she, she goes, she, once again, just have faith. We'll get you there. I looked at her, and I said, I don't need more faith. You need more plane right now, you know. <laughs> I can't remember if I took it or not. I probably did because I was more scared to lose my job than to die, which is kind of sick when you think about it. But, uh, but you know, a lot of times we can throw that out, you know, have faith, have faith. What does faith mean? Today we're going to talk about Jesus, the word of faith, and what faith actually is. Because you see, there may be a time when you really need to press into God for something. Somebody's at the hospital, and you want to pray, or you, you want to have faith, or, you, you, know, or you, you lost your job, and you're really hoping you get another one. Maybe... There's a relationship that goes south. You, you got a sibling or a son or a daughter, mother, someone in your family, or, or maybe a friend or a coworker, and, and you're trying to learn this whole faith thing. And, and uh, earlier, uh, earlier this year, or this week, actually, when I was talking to somebody, they said, you know, Tom, I just, I said, well, let's pray about that. And they said, you know, Tom, I just don't know if I have the faith for that. And I'm thinking to myself, what does that actually mean? I 
you know, so I, I'm like, you have the, have the faith for it, you know. So I just don't know. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm depressed. I'm going through a lot of things right now. I've got a terrible life. And I'm, he's, told, he's doing this whole big pity party. So I just, I just, can you just pray? Because I don't know if I have the faith for anything right now. I, I think I'm filled with doubt. I said, you know what? I can help you with your problem. You're focusing too much on you. You're focusing too much on you and what you can do and the faith you have and the strength you have and the hope you have. And you are focusing way too much on you. That is not faith. You're calling it faith. And I said, and I can understand where you may have twisted some passages in the Bible to think that there's some sort of like amount of faith. But we do not place our faith in ourselves. We place our faith in Jesus. And that makes all the difference. We, you know, we got to kind of get faith off of ourselves and back on to God because, and it's very American. I get it. I struggle with this. You know, I want to be able to do it myself. I don't want anybody to help. I don't want, you know, I get all that. We are the most self-sufficient society in history. But you're talking about faith. Faith is when we dissolve all of that self-sufficiency and rely on more on who God is than how strong we are. Amen? And so my first point this morning is faith is showing, is God showing us who Jesus really is. The more we get focused on who Jesus is, what he does, what he is about, our faith grows, okay? It's not just about, oh, I got to clean up my wife, my wife, my wife, my, <laughs> I clean up my wife. I got to clean up my wife, and then I'll have more faith. No, I got to clean up my life, and then I'll have more. It's a good thing she's not here today, because those are the little things that, you know. Oh, you're here today. I thought you were still sick. I thought you were still sick, honey. Man, half these jokes I can't say now, because you're here, you know. It's, all right, we're all done. The sermon's over. You know, it's not like I got to clean up my life before I can have faith. Faith is the more we begin to focus and understand who Jesus is, what he does, and how he cares for us. That's how faith begins to grow, and that is essentially what God does when he shows us who Jesus really is. Let's look at the, one of the passages from the Bible we have. This is from Matthew chapter 16. This is when Jesus and the apostles are hanging out. They're having a bonfire. They're hanging out, and they're telling stories. They're talking, having some good friendship time, and Jesus just has to go out there and say it. Who do people say that I am? And they're like, uh-oh. Oh, well, some say John the Baptist, and some say one of the Old Testament prophets, and some say, you know, you're, uh, you know, whatever. And then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter would eventually be the first one to stand up at Pentecost. He says, I believe that you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to that is critical to understanding faith. Jesus says, Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So what does God do to grow our faith? He reveals who Jesus is. He said, Peter, you didn't just think of this. This isn't just some good thing. God the Father showed you who I am. And because of your receiving that, your faith has grown. Another, another, another uh, scripture this morning 
from Luke chapter 8. Jesus and the disciples again are hanging out, and they're in a boat. Now, half of the disciples are fishermen. They know how to sail. They know the lake. They know everything. And so they get in the boat. They're confident. Jesus, we can get you to the other side. Don't worry. We're fishermen. We know you're a carpenter. We're fishermen. We got this. They get in the middle of the lake, and a huge storm whips up. And all of a sudden, they're looking at each other saying, we don't got this. This is too much for us. The waves are crashing. They're getting scared. They're getting angry. They're starting to freak out. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. So they wake him up, and the first thing they say is, Jesus, do you not care that we are going to drown? And look what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, where is your faith? Jesus stands up. And, and so, you know, all the movies depict him shouting. Jesus doesn't need to shout. I think he probably just said, calm, be still. And all of a sudden, it is as still as a summer morning with no wind. And the disciples are shaking their head. And what do they say? Who is this now if it were me i'd be like hey jesus teach me that snappy thing you did or hey how'd you do that you know what's the formula for that are those the words you say you know i i they went straight to his identity who is this that even the winds and the water obey him faith is about understanding more about who jesus really is and the reality of his presence not drumming up some sort of emo you know so much so many times we can try to drum up emotional faith, you know? Uh, I'm just really going to believe God for this, or I really want God to do this. And, and what it is is we're psyching ourselves out. And if you find yourself doing that, you're actually probably going against faith because it's now becoming more on how you feel rather than the reality of who God is. For example, you got somebody who's sick and in the hospital. And, and a lot of times they'll go there and they'll call me. They'll say, Pastor, we need you to come because, you know, we just don't have faith to pray for this person to get well. We like to piggyback on your faith. So I come. But I have to tell them right away. I said, here's, here's the problem with the way you're thinking. I'm going to pray. But what if God doesn't heal this person? In that way of thinking, we'll walk away deducing God did not want to heal that person. When we make faith about us, then God becomes kind of that proverbial genie in the bottle. And so we kind of rub that bottle, get the genie out and say, God, I got three wishes. I want you to heal this. I want you to give me a million dollars and I want you to give me another million dollars. You know, And so we can, we can do that with God so quickly. We think of God more as our genie when the fact of the matter is when I go to pray for somebody in the hospital, God loves that person a million times more than I ever could. God wants that person to be out of suffering a million bazillion times more than I ever could. When you understand who Jesus really is, we don't have to try to beg him and manipulate him. He already wants our best. He already wants our good. His default is he already wants the best for us. In ancient religions, they had idols and they would try to you know, cut themselves or do lewd, do things you don't even want to hear about right now and, and offer food or all these things to try to manipulate the idol to do what they want, what they wanted that idol to do. 
And what does God say? I already know my heart toward you. And I want what's best for you. I want the good for you. You don't need to do all this. Just understand who I am. Understand that I am the God who loves you and died for you. And then we get to Nazareth. This next slide is very interesting. Nazareth is where Jesus grew up. Do any of you ever feel like you are way more cool outside of your family than inside your family? Like, you go home, and you're just that guy. <laughs> Roy, Roy lifted up two hands. <laughs> Roy, I think you're cool inside your family or outside of your family, but that's right. <laughs> you ever feel like that? You know, you go home, and you're just, you know, I, I mean, I, I love, sometimes I love it because here, here, I'm kind of somebody. I mean, I'm really nobody. But at least you know who I am. You know my name, and, you know, I go home. I am like the second-born son, go get the dishes, go to, you know, I mean, it's just nothing, you know. Jesus gets kind of the same thing, you know. He starts ministering outside of his hometown, and there's miracles, people being raised from the dead, demons fleeing out of people, healings, all of this crazy stuff happening. He goes home, and look what happens. They say, wait a minute, aren't you Joseph's boy? You ain't nothing special. You're just the carpenter's son. Hey, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? And his sisters. Yeah, his sisters are with us too. And it says what? Verse 57, and they took offense at him. They did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. Sure, he was all those things, but he was far more. And what was the result? It wasn't had nothing to do with their emotions. It had everything to do with who they believed Jesus to be or who they believed him not to be. And because they believed him not to be the Son of God and God of the universe, what does verse 58 say? And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You don't need to go to a faith conference to get more faith. You don't need to, you don't need to do all these backflips for God so that he'll try... What we need to do is focus day by day, week by week, on who Jesus really is. Because when we get a hold of who Jesus really is and trust in his identity and his power and trust less in our own, we will begin to see the miraculous. We begin to see all those things we yearn to see as we take our eyes more off ourselves and place it in a greater way onto him. Number two, faith is God humbling our heart to surrender our lives to his plan. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, this is uh, right before Jesus teaches the disciples how to play, pray. Uh, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans because they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for God knows what you need before you pray it. See, we... It's almost like somebody gets sick and they're in the hospital and is like, oh, man, I wonder if God knows about this. <laughs> God knows about this. You're driving home. You just lost your job. Man, I wonder if God knew this was going to happen. God knew it was going to happen. He knows you need money. He knows you need health. He knows everything we need before we even ask him. That is why when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he didn't say, okay, now when you pray, say, God, this is my needs. Will you meet it? Nowhere will you find that in the Bible. What God teaches us to pray is he, sa pray is he says, 
your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's a focus to God rather than resting on ourselves. A long time ago, I went to this thing called Promise Keepers. Anybody ever went to that? It's kind of gone now, but, uh, but when it was going, it was a big men's conference in the stadium. So we're sitting around, and I went with my very first pastor, uh, Pastor Bob. And Pastor Bob, I loved him, but he was one of those guys who embarrassed you, you know? You'd go to a restaurant, and he'd have this really picky order. I want a hamburger, no lettuce, no onions. I need to have just one slice of cheese. And he would just be so particular. And if they brought the hamburger and it wasn't exactly how he'd order it, he'd go, take it back, I don't want it. I would always be so embarrassed. My family's like that, so I'm embarrassed of that. You know, just, okay, just eat the hamburger. Anyway, so he's, very, he's not afraid to share his opinion with anybody about anything. And this is what, you know, so whenever you were with him, it was always like, is it going to be a good day or not, you know? So we're there, and one of the things Promise Keepers does is they, have, they would have us get in groups and pray. And so we got in our groups, and we're praying. And one of the guys next to us, he starts going, Lord, I need a wife, 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 wife. <laughs> it would just kind of trail off. And then someone else would start to try to pray, and he'd go, Lord, I need a wife, 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 wife. And he would say it over and over, Lord Jesus, I need a wife, 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 wife. And so finally, the pastor leans over and goes, in his time, 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 time. Sometimes I think, you know, we think, oh, if I just pray over and 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 over not so much about that. That God will somehow hear us. That's making it about us. It's when we surrender and say, you know what, God, this ain't about me. This is about Jesus. Thank you for showing me who Jesus really is. For the same grace that God shows us before we get our act together is the same grace he shows us when we come to him in faith. Amen? Amen. Number three, faith is not based on quantity but on God's continued grace. Remember the first, um, the first miracle was at a wedding, right? Jesus turned water into? Yeah. And John specifically says, and the disciples put their faith in him, right? But then we get the scene on the lake, right, where they're all freaking out again. Well, where was their faith then? They had faith during the wedding, and now all of a sudden they don't have faith on the boat. What's happening here? What's God showing us? The longer we walk with God, the longer we keep up that relationship with God, the greater our faith in who He is begins to expand. Why? Because we learn more of who He is over the years. For example, I can tell you now that after about, I wasn't a Christian all my life. Uh, for the, almost the first two decades of it, I was a staunch advocate against anything spiritual or religious. And then I had an amazing thing happen. I, I came to faith in, faith in Jesus but then I remember somebody saying, now, just because you got Christ, remember, you know, don't work that way. You still got to get a job. You still got, you know, I mean, God, and he said, God helps those who help themselves. You ever hear that? God helps those who help themselves. Now, I really believe that. I thought that was true. Some of you may think it's true. And so, you know, but over the last 20 years, 
I have seen God's healing and provision and moving in not only my life, but in the lives of many of us here, where I can honestly say my knowledge of my faith, not in just what God can do, but who Jesus is, has expanded. This year, uh, I had a, something bad happen. Uh, something good happened. I, I was able to get a side job, and, and, and it paid cash, and I was saving that cash up so that I could get my wife and my kids something nice for Christmas. For the last few years, we just we get whatever left over, and, and that's fine. We've never complained about that, but this year, I really wanted to get something special. So I had a whole bunch of cash in my wallet, uh, and we were, I wanted to go out on Black Friday. That's when all the deals are, right? I want to go out on back Black Friday and go shopping. But I went to go pick up my son from his water polo meet, and as I, I just flew out of there, I forgot I left my wallet in the car, but I, did, I didn't know enough to lock the door anyway. And as I flew out of there, when I came back, this is kind of funny. So I flew out of there, and when I came back, there, you know, me and my son were standing there, and I, my, I'm just like, ooh, because somebody had broken our window and stole my wallet. And as we're standing there, my littlest son looks and goes, Dad. You really slammed the door hard. <laughs> I just, it was one of those moments where I just looked out at him and I said nothing, you know. <laughs> Call the police, you know, and, and sure enough, they found my wallet, but all of the cash, a few hundred dollars, was gone. I was just robbed of all our Christmas money. And I remember thinking to myself, maybe, maybe this is earth. Maybe God doesn't handle situations. Maybe I just got to suck it up and I got robbed and that's too bad, you know? We'll just go to the dollar store. We don't mind the dollar store anyway, so, you know, it'll be fine. You know, I remember thinking, okay, maybe this is that first time where it begins to challenge, you know, because every time up to then, God had just covered everything, whether it been health, relationships, money. I mean, God has been so involved. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is it, you know? Worked all hard for it, you know, but you know what? Maybe they needed it more than me. Not, but that's what, I, you know, you try to console yourself by saying that. And little did I know, a few days later, a few of our friends who had heard about it would take up a private, secret little offering, and they blessed us with double of what I had been robbed. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just, the more we figure out who he really is and surrender, and I mean surrender, not rely on us or the emotions and feelings we can drum up, but just surrender in who he is and the grace that he pours on us, the more you will find faith being activated in our lives and in our troubles and trials. Number three, uh, four, sorry, after we have done all that we can set in, that we, all that we've done all that we can do, Faith is still based on God's grace. Luke chapter 17, let's, let's read this one real quick, and then I'll just close with this. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing, or keep going, there we go. Suppose one of you has a servant, that's us, God is the master in his story, we are the servants. So suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along, sit now and eat? Now, a lot of you would say, that's reasonable, you got a servant. He's out there doing all your work. He comes in. You should say, pull up a chair and have a table. If you don't know the meaning of the story, it may look like God is mean for a second. But Jesus says, no, 
Verse 8, won't he rather say, hey, uh, before you sit down, prepare the meal. I mean, I know you just plowed the field and took care of the sheep. Now I want you to cook dinner. <laughs> it's kind of rude, isn't it? I mean, you know. And get yourself ready and wait on me. Serve me while I eat and drink. And then after I'm done eating and drinking, then you can eat. You say, whoa, man, God's really pulling out the stops. You can't understand this. It does seem like that until you get to verse 9. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? What is Jesus saying? It's very easy for us to think, God owes me. I've been good. I've served him. I've given my life for him. God, you owe me one. And all of a sudden, that just begins to kill all the faith we may have had for a situation. Because what he's saying is, when we've done everything we've been told to do, at the end of the day, we are still unworthy servants. God is never indebted to us. In fact, throughout our whole lives, God's grace gives us far more than we could ever hope to deserve. And we will never be able to repay the debt that God has paid, nor are we meant to. We will always be dependent upon grace. We will never work our way out of it. In Romans chapter 11, verse 35, Paul says, who has given a gift to God that God is now obligated to pay him back? No obligation with God is what Paul and Jesus are saying. Instead, God is always giving us more than we deserve, and we always owe him far more thanks. So how do you approach this God who owes us absolutely nothing? How do you approach a God who owes us absolutely nothing and we are unworthy of what we could get from him? That's faith. You approach it by faith. And you say, you know what? I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I surrender to his plan. I ask for this in Jesus' name but I re-surrender to his plan. Just kind of close your eyes for a moment and let's just practice this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God to the glory of God the Father and I surrender to your plan for my life. I ask for a 2018 red Mustang. You didn't say it. Come on. <laughs> no. I ask. Fill in the blank in your mind right now. And then say, but Lord. Say, but Lord. I re-surrender to your plans. You know what's best for me. I want your power released in this situation. As you see fit, I surrender to your will. That's faith. What is faith? It's faith that believing that God does know what's best for us. That God does have our best in mind. That God is for us and not against us. And that by faith, we focus more on who Jesus is and less about our own strength, our own smarts, our own intellect, our own good looks, our own anything as we lay those crowns down at the foot of Jesus. Before we close, if you could 
Bow your heads and close your eyes. Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. I'd like to make an invitation. If you would like to receive faith in Jesus, that in some way you have a greater awareness that the Holy Spirit has showed you this morning in a greater way who Jesus is, and to surrender your life to His plans, to trust that He will give you the best you could get in the healthiest way and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Right now, just go ahead and look up at me right now. Amen. 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 Awesome. 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 Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Let's pray us together. Say, Lord Jesus, we believe you are who you said you are. And we surrender to your plans and purposes for our lives. And we make you our Lord and Savior. Thank you for filling us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.